welcome. Thank you for joining us here at ICGC Caris Temple Podcast. Pastor Prince Nyako is the head pastor of ICGC Caris Temple, serving under the leadership of Dr. Mentor Otabel. Pastor Prince is a dynamic preacher of God's unadulterated word, characterized with a strong prophetic insight and prayer ministry. He is a strong advocate for discipline and order in the body of Christ, with messages centered on fasting, holiness, prayer, and integrity. And now, to today's message. Spirit of the Lord, pray the language of the Spirit of the Lord. We pray for your presence. Kandala bakandolo bosada ba lekatala bapaka shanda bahaya labaka shanda labapaya kataya lebakonda bayaka rado shanda ba lebraka shanda labaha rabababababaladaba we give you praise and we give you glory we thank you Lord for what you are about to teach us. We thank you for the revelation that is coming. I pray that your presence will be in this atmosphere. Let your anointing be upon us. Let our ears hear your voice in the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a good clap offering. I'm teaching on the subject justification part two. Justification part two. Justification part two. And um, I will not try to do a recap, else I will not be able to teach what I'm supposed to teach. Because in attempting to do a recap, you will eat into your time that you have to teach what you have. So if you want a recap, if you were not here before, you have to go to next two weeks and listen to it. Someone, the pastor sent me a message. He said, Pastor Prince, you were able to handle the subject in a way that I've never heard before. Because, you know, the reason I'm doing a follow-up is that many people handle this subject in a very dangerous way. So people hear it and they say, ah, NDA Charlie, whatever I do, I am in the will of God. But I'm going to help you in this part and the next part. And you have to follow it in order to get the full understanding of what justification is. So this morning, we are doing justification part two. There are two serious errors, okay, to avoid when it comes to the subject of justification. There are two serious errors errors that has made some group of Christians fall off the grace of God. And one, the first one is the error number one error is that do not confuse justification and sanctification. The noise is becoming more on stage. These two. Do not confuse justification and sanctification. Okay, when you miss 
this part of the teaching of justification, you will walk in error and you walk in error and you walk outside the will of God. And that will be dangerous for your life. So there is a difference between justification and sanctification. Some of these teachings are important because there are too much rubbish things on media, social media. And some of you, after we have fed you so well, you just chance on a short video and all of a sudden, you think you have caught a revelation and you throw away the very word that preserved your life. Then all of a sudden, you start behaving funny and saying all kinds of things you have no idea of. Because everyone wants to hear something that is hundious, something revealed deep. And the deep does not take us. You see that any revelation that takes you away from holiness, that takes you away from sacrifice, that takes you away from pure love, that revelation is from the devil, no matter how spiritual it may look like. So it is very important that we understand the basis of your Christianity, else you'll be deceived. So the first error is that we have to understand that there is a difference between justification and sanctification. Sanctification is the work of God whereby he sets the believer, the man who has received Christ, he sets that man aside. So God sanctifies you as his child. So sanctification is not justification. Justification is a legal declaration. It's a legal verdict on you. So wherever you go, justification, in a sense, is like you are a Ghanaian. You are a Ghanaian. But as to whether you are a profitable Ghanaian, it's a different thing. So justification is like you are, you are legally, you are a Ghanaian. You were born in Ghana, you have um, a Ghanaian passport, a Ghanaian driver, you are a Ghanaian. That is justification. But the sanctification is what must come out of your justified life. So you, you, you don't mix the two. When you mix the two, you know some people preach, there are many teachings. I, 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 I've, I'm young, but I've been around books for a long time. And I've been around men of God for a long time. There are some men of God you like listening to. Where the more you listen to them, the more you want to sin. And the more you sin and you don't care. Such men run away from them. Should I repeat that? I didn't miss it. I'll say it again. There are some messages. There are some preachings. There are some preachers. You listen to every time. And they rather encourage your boldness to sin against God. Yes. They rather encourage, it's like, you, you do it, it's like, I'm, I am cleansing Jesus and you are gone. Because if you don't get it right, you will lead yourself astray and lead many of your people who believe in you astray. So sanctification is a practical reality. Not just a legal declaration. So if you say you are pregnant, you must give birth after nine months or ten months. Justification is to be declared pregnant. Childbirth is what 
comes out of sanctification. So, let me give you another one. I'm bringing you somewhere. Sanctification involves a change in the sinner's character. Becoming a saint does not mean that you will not sin. Saints also sin. But the saint that is on the path of sanctification, the saint that submits himself to the separation, to the setting apart of the work of the Holy Spirit, he emulates, he exhibits, he demonstrates more of Christ-likeness or like Christ-likeness. Yes, so the more the, the person follows the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit, the more you submit yourself to the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit, the more of Christ's life is seen in you. So they say, hey, now Christians, no more yet say, it's because that Christian, that person is a Christian, but he has not submitted himself for the sanctification life of Christianity. So he, though he's a Christian, he looks like an unbeliever. Though he's a Christian, our, his mind has not been transformed. So a Christian whose mind has not been transformed will behave like an unbeliever. Simple. That is why you can see a Christian and he has 10 girlfriends. He's not sanctified. He's, he's even higher than the, te the technical sinner. Because that Christian has not submitted himself for the transformation of the Holy Spirit. And that is dangerous. So there is a whole teaching I have on when the Christian sins, what happened. I'm sure that is what is on your mind. But it's a whole teaching. So I won't go there. I'm teaching you something that will help you. Because we have to teach you now. We have to teach. <laughs> because some of you come under certain temptations to join certain courts. And you have to understand what salvation is. Because they will say, oh, you join, you will still be a Christian. You have lost your soul, you are gone. You are gone. So, justification is the term the Bible uses to describe the finished works of God that takes away the punishment of sin, the penalty. Yes, the word is penalty. The penalty of sin. So, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So, that wages of sin that you are due for eternally has been taken away by the justification, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. When Christ did that and you accepted him, the penalty, eternal damnation has been taken away and you have been declared a child of God. So as you are living your life, don't say that I live, I am my own master. You can't say that you, you, you do what you like. You are justified in Christ. 
and you belong to God, so there is no way you can live a life for yourself. When a Christian decides to live a life for himself, that is where we begin to enter into temptations we must not enter. And you see challenges upon challenges. And it looks like God is wicked, God does not care. It is because this child of God refused to live his life to please the one who saved him. Many of our battles is that is because we have refused to please the Lord. We have refused to live a sanctified life. You know, and sanctification is our salvation from the power of sin. Yeah. So the penalty of sin is handled by justification and your control over the power of sin is by the act of sanctification. So don't mix the two. The, 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 the second error that you should be careful, be careful not to enter into because they are, they are, you know, we, we all listen to messages. We all listen to messages. And I, I remember the, my, my, my days on campus, there was a preacher who preached that when, when a Christian fornicates, it doesn't mean anything. On campus. He said, when, when, when a Christian fornicates and then you don't brush your teeth, you and the person, you are the same. Because the message of justification can be tricky when not handled well. And many people say, mm, deep, mm, mm, deep. Some of us walked out of the meeting. I remember that meeting. I'm preaching. The second error is that do not separate justification and sanctification so radically that you allow for one without the other. It is not possible to separate the two totally. I'll give you scriptures. Because if you are going out to win souls, these are some of the things you must know. If you don't know justification and all those things, and you go and meet someone who is asking you questions, that's why most of us, you can't even preach salvation. You don't even have one scripture apart from for God so loved the world that he gave. You don't have one scripture. If I bring somebody here and say, convince the person to be born again, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked that you don't know where to start from. Or you say that I'm inviting you to church on Sunday. Because the understanding of Christianity is far away. Amen. That's how come a church, a, 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 a pastor can say people should eat grass and they are eating grass. Because as much as you must follow a pastor, Paul says that follow me as long as I follow Christ. So the target is to follow Christ. But you see, you cannot follow Christ on your own. God knew that no man can follow Christ on his own. So he gives pastors, shepherds, after his own heart, to feed them the word of, to feed them the word of God, to feed them the word of God. Not any other word. 
Not traditions, not uh, uh, um, um, culture. No, we are not, I'm not coming to teach you how to slaughter goats. No, no, no. If you enter a church or you meet a pastor, he say, come for consultation. And he say, bring a goat, let's slaughter. Bring a bed, let's slaughter. I want you to live your spirit. Live your spirit, live with your spirit, live with your body and live with your soul from his, from his office. Yeah. So, you, you must not separate. It, it cannot be totally separated. Are you here? It's like when we were doing the foundation. Some of you are sitting here, you can only see cement. Okay, you can only see cement. But apart from the foundation, there are pipes. We, are, we have to lay pipes so that electric cables can pass through. As much as the pipes are not part of the foundation, it is nearly impossible to have a foundation without laying the pipes. Because if you don't lay the pipes and you are ready to do electricals, you have to cut the foundation and still put the pipe there. You cannot separate totally justification and sanctification. Follow the teaching. I will take you somewhere. So there are three levels of sanctification. But there is no level. There is no two, three levels of justification. When you are justified, you are justified. But in sanctification, there are three levels. We have the positional sanctification. Positional. Number two, experiential. And number three, permanent or eternal. So positional, positional takes place. You see, God help me to push this. Positional, experiential, and eternal or permanent. Positional, experiential, or eternal sanctification. Positional sanctification takes place the day the person became born again. The day you become born again, your position, you, you have become God's. You have become the property of God. That is a level of sanctification. That is why you can say, our father. Because you have become his child. It's a position. Then the experiential and all the sanctification I'm talking about is at the level of the experiential. All your life you are living as a Christian, the Holy Ghost wants to engage you in experiential sanctification. And the more he sanctifies you, the more you become meat for the work of God. For in the great house, they are not only vessels of gold, but of silver. So in a great house, there are many vessels, but the vessel that is sanctified. So we are all Christians, but God wants to use all of us, but he will not be able to use all of us because all of us will not be ready for the journey of a kind of sanctification he wants to take us through. So God will have to look for men. God will look for men who have separated themselves unto him. When we say 21 days fast, some people will fast, fast two days and they stop. But there are some people who fast 21 days and even top up with 22 days. And all those exercises in the spirit after being a Christian is what we are talking about where a man exercises himself unto sanctification. And look, if God will ever use you in great levels 
and great levels of honor, there must be a, a sanctification unto him. God is looking for people in our generation. We keep mentioning other people. Jonathan Edwards, we mention. You see, before a man becomes a medical doctor, he was sanctified unto something for seven years. He was separated unto a certain knowledge, a certain level of knowledge over a period. All he's studying is anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, microbiology. You are just studying, studying for seven years. After seven years, your mind has been changed. And that is what we call sanctification. Yeah. You can't separate the two. After justification, you have to move on in your maturity. Now, listen to a definition of Christian maturity. If you tell me you are a matured Christian, I will not even assess your level of tongue speaking. In a sense, it doesn't make sense as a matured Christian. Because there are many people who speak in tongues who are not matured from the way they behave. Their in-laws, your father-in-law will visit you and you just go and stand by the gate. Bye-bye. Thank you for coming. You are not mature. Your father-in-law or mother-in-law must not visit you and go back empty-handed. It's an error. If you people don't know, let me tell you. It's an error. When your father says he's visiting you, prepare. Prepare. When your pastor is coming to visit you, you have to prepare. If your pastor comes to dedicate your shop, you have to you shouldn't say, God bless you. No. You have to send him off well. If somebody goes a long way to, 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 to be with you in danger, you must never forget the person. Yes. So you, we have to, you have to prepare for a lot of visitations that can change your life. So if you have to see the move of God in your life, you got to prepare yourself. He said, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. So in the great house, there are vessels that will bring shame to the house. Yes, in every church, there are people who bring shame to the church. And in that church, there are people who bring honor to that church. I pray that in this church, you will be the one to bring honor to the church. Your amen is not strong. In every church, in every family, are, in every family, there's somebody who have to do something and then the family members must gather to go and bail him from police station. That's what the Bible is saying. But look at it. The 21. He said, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So, you see, for God to use you, you have to be sanctified. Be in the life of sanctification. Be in the life of sanctification. Therefore, pastor, what is the life of sanctification? The life of sanctification is the life that is dedicated to the word of God and the life of the spirit. Now, let me do it. A sanctified life is equal to a life that is lived by the word of the Lord and by the leadings of the Holy Spirit. 
So if that life is not living by the word of the Lord, but looks like he's being led by the spirit, it is spiritism and not a life lived for the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives power, but the Holy Ghost has fruits. And when those fruits are absent, the power being demonstrated must be questioned without fear. I thought you say amen. amen. Yeah, you should be able to question the power without fear. Because if the Holy Ghost is in the person, the fruit of the Spirit must show in our lives. Yeah. So, Pastor, I am impatient. Does it mean that I'm not just... You are justified, but you have not allowed the Holy Ghost to help you. Because at the point where you are angry and the Holy Ghost told you, keep quiet. I will work it out. You ignore the Holy Ghost. You think I'm a small boy. Do you know who I am? Then the Holy Ghost is standing there looking at you. Because this is somebody who is not ready to bear the fruit of patience in his life. I thought you are clapping. I think the world is not looking for powerful Christians. The world is looking for sanctified Christians. Yeah, I don't think they need powerful Christians. The world is looking for sanctified Christians. And that is where, when you are not careful, you follow all this, I need a breakthrough, I need a breakthrough, I need a breakthrough, I need a... God for breakthrough, it will come on. It will come. It will come. You will break through. But if you don't build that foot... Before you break through, you will break down. The breakthrough will break you down. Because breakthrough empowers you to do more of what is in you. Yeah. A breakthrough empowers you to do more of what is in you. So if you are living a life that is not pleasing to God, I mean, I know that some of you are here, you think I, I should be preaching motivational message, you know, the, the, the system is hard. I, oh, please, I'm preaching justification and sanctification. You didn't clap well because you didn't like it. I think for 12 years, this is, I think I've preached this thing for 12 years. For the next 12 years, I'll continue. The next 12 years times five, the message is not changing. Yeah, because it is working. Tell somebody it is working. Because for some of you, but for this message, you will not be sitting here by now, you know. But for this kind of messages I've preached over the years, like by now, you know. You have a child with Kofi Menu, you have a child with Yasetra, you have a child with Mensa Kofi, you, you see that you, you just spread your wings. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm preaching. So, God will not justify anyone he has not sanctified. Why? Because of positional sanctification. So, immediately, oh God, you gave your life to Christ. Your position, you are not a child of the devil again. You have become like when you went to marry Mary. Okay? Immediately, you went to marry her. And they handed her over to you. Legally. Technically, traditionally, she is your wife. But as to whether she will really be a wife unto you, it must be on the journey of sanctification. Yeah. 
So you see, if even your wife does not love you, and you, you she's maltreating you, and there are documents to be signed, the wife part, her name must be there. And when you die in the maltreatment, they will use the law. The law will not say she was a wicked wife or her status as a wife. They will go into the laws and say, the law says 16%, 30 something percent. In fact, 60% or something to legally married wives. Hey. You'll be here. Don't put your house in order. Put your marriage in order. Enjoy the marriage because at the end it will still speak on paper. Find a way to let the thing work. Because near day or barbecue, she won't sign the divorce letter. She won't sign. After all these years, seeing the properties, she won't sign. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a mighty clap of it. God, God will not justify people he has not signed. God cannot justify someone who is not his child. No, justification will not happen if the person is not a child of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Not Isaiah 6, 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He said, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. So you see, the first level of sanctification happens at the point of justification. So you cannot say you are justified without you. So listen to me. If you say you are a child of God or you are a Christian, you have been justified and you have been sanctified of the Lord and the Lord alone must lead you and rule you and govern your life and show you how to live to his glory. To his glory. Sanctified by ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Say, I've been justified and I've been sanctified and I have been called into a life of sanctification. You know, God does not offer justification as a stand-alone system or life in salvation. The word salvation is not only justification. So some of you ran away two weeks ago with my message. I said, salvation. Pastor has cleared you to clear the air. Justification. No. Salvation is not equal to justification alone. The salvation has, it comes with so many aspects that you cannot only say, I'm justified and therefore I live any kind of life. Let me show you. So when you talk about salvation, we are talking about election. The election of God. Number two, you are talking about regeneration. Regeneration of the spirit. Because when Adam sinned, our spirit communication with God died. Do you know why when you're a Christian you, and you do something, people say, hey. Because, you see, if an unbeliever does it, it's not a shock because the unbeliever's spirit communication with God is dead. There's no communication going on. But when you become a Christian, 
you, your spirit is giving birth to again. That's a regeneration. So it's salvational, but we are talking about eternal election. We are talking about regeneration. We are talking about faith. Your faith. Your faith. There are two types of faith. The faith to get and the faith to walk. The faith to walk is what I'm talking about. Your faith as a Christian, you must never throw away that faith. Even if you are dying, remain a Christian. Even if you are dying, keep your faith in Christ. Even if you are sick and God is not healing you, be proud to die as a Christian. Yes. Even if you are poor, you are suffering, and you have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and God is not coming through, you must die as a Christian. That is faith. I watch Muslims, eh? What you call demonic attack, they say, is the will of Allah. Say, Allah willed it. There's nothing like Yenko Shemu. There's nothing like a witch did this. There's nothing like, if the person died, he's dead. Let's go and bury him. Life goes on. To God be the glory. They move on. There is no way because of sickness a Muslim will change his confession. Unless there's a miracle. Then God uses the miracle supernaturally to touch the person's heart and the conviction of the bad. Just because the person is suffering. Mm. No. But Christians, we easily throw away our faith. So you give God deadline. God, 2023, my warrior, forget it. Forget it. <laughs> you give God deadlines. 2023. God, man warrior, forget it. I won't sing again. I won't usher again. Can I tell you what is happening in heaven? God is holding a microphone and he's standing at the window of heaven and he said, who cares? I have more children. Yeah. yeah. Stop giving God deadlines. Stop. Because you don't even know how you came into existence. How do you give deadline to the one who existed before your existence? <laughs> God, if I don't break through this time, eh? if I don't break through this time, the way I've been paying my tithe, the way I've loved you, God, you know how I used to be. I've changed more. You have to show me something. Have you show me something? Show me something. How long will I suffer? Let me break through some. Break through. See, God is looking for people with faith in Christ. No matter what. You know, there, there are a lot of things they say about church growth that I've been praying that it doesn't attack you. One of the things is that when you move to a new place like this and the place is warm, the place is not comfortable, your washroom is not well done, you begin to lose people. The high-ending people. And it's there. It's, it's, it's a story. It's a history in church growth. So every day, one of my prayers I pray is that, Lord, don't tempt my people to fall in this. Well, we, are all, we must all suffer together. And then when we are walking in glory, because the Bible said that if you suffer with me, you reign with me. But it should not be that whilst we are in this state, you leave us. Then you go and meet, oh, our pastor, I'll come to church. Pastor, I'll come to church. When you don't even ask them anything, they say, pastor, I'll come to church. 
<laughs> and some will be hiding. And me, when you hide, then I see you. I come and greet you. Bless, how are you? I hope you are fine. Blessings, my love to the family. I'm going to, because I didn't give birth to you. God just told me to help you, to work well with him. So if you say you don't like me, you go to another shepherd, make sure you are in a church, and make sure you are serving God well. Give the Lord a mighty clap of it. Say, who pastor, no, I swear now. One day you swear, your head will hit wall. Hallelujah. One day I met somebody. Oh, whom was supermarket? No, she's looking at something. And me too. Have you know that? I walk gorgeously. And I pretended like I didn't see the person. I assume she's an attendant. Say, hello, hello. Uh, can I get? Say, hey, hey, you. How are you? <laughs> we cannot act. Oh. We cannot act. I, I, I was in the drama department then. One day I'll be joining them to dramatize. I'm, I can all act. But you see, it's, 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 it's more about your eternal salvation. It's all about your faith towards God. Repentance from dead works. I think I'll be very worried if I was a drunkard before a Christian, before I became a Christian, and I'm still a drunkard as a Christian. I'll be very worried. If I was a womanizer before a Christian, and I, now I'm a Christian, I'm even speaking in tongues, I'll be very worried. And it was yesterday I was talking to a bishop and I realized that those of you who are into the fornicating business, you are suffering. Wow. He gave me a teaching and he said, when a Christian is living an immoral life, averagely, it can take the person 10 to 15 years to overpower it. So tell somebody, don't start. But those who are in, they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Give the Lord a mighty clap offering. It's a serious matter. I listened to the man, uh, one old man. He said, it takes 10 to 15 years. I said, hey, sir. And the old bro was oh, maybe I'm a bro, pow. So you talk about faith, you talk about justification, you talk about sanctification, you talk about glorification. And all these are integral facts of our salvation. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30. KJV and GNT. Please, have you been blessed this morning? Yeah, he said, teaching. He said, for whom he did for know, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Verse 30. Moreover, when, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. So that word called is sanctified to set apart. Then he justified. Don't let anybody let you feel like your Christianity is inferior to his. The same blood of Jesus saved you. And therefore you are not a second hand child of God. Tell yourself I'm not a second hand child of God. 
Yeah. It doesn't matter how you came in, you are in. And when you are in, to give value to your justification, you must dedicate yourself to a life of sanctification. Say, moreover, oh, you can clap. Yeah. I will not finish even the part two. I'm still on half of a, 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 a seven-page message. Half of a page. That's where I'm still on. See, these are things you need. It's not every day you have to be screaming. It's not every day. You have to get this. If I were you, I'll go home. I would dedicate myself to listen to this message very well. Because Jesus is coming soon. If it's left with percentage, I'll say 2%. Jesus is coming. So those of you are not marrying, be there. Jesus is coming soon. The trumpet will sound very soon. And he will come for those who are his. Jesus is coming soon. It's sooner than you think. Yeah. Sooner. It's very soon. Jesus is coming. If you are not born again, realign yourself with him. He said, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. K and GNT said, those whom God had already chosen, he also set apart to become like his son. So you see, God did not call you to become like that usher. But he called you to become like Jesus. God did not call you to become actually like your pastor. No, because your pastor is also striving to be like Jesus. So don't strive to be like me. Because I have infirmities. But we must all strive to be like Jesus. Are you here with me? If you strive to be like me, you will lose a lot of friends. Because I will not be playful. I am not party, party person. But Jesus went to Canaan and turned water into wine. Are you here? That, you, you shouldn't look at someone and say, you want to be like him. It's nice. It's a good startup. It should be a startup. But you must be like Jesus. That is the ultimate. You must not even be like your husband. You must be like Jesus. You must not even be like your wife. You must be like Jesus. And if the wife and the husband all want to be like Jesus, what type of marriage will we have? A Jesus kind of marriage. Yeah. So those whom Jesus had already chosen, he also set apart to become like his son. So that the son will be the first among many believers. He said, and so those whom God set apart, he called. So you see? He sanctifies, then he calls. Positional sanctification. And those he called, he put right with himself. That is justification. And he shared his glory with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus shared his glory with you. Wow. You don't take the glory he shared it with you. That's why your life is glorious. That's why we sang today. As I said, the choir was very spiritual today. From praise and worship to choir. I thought they were clapping for them. So they sang. From glory. Let's sing it. To glory. 
God is taking us. So, you see, when you become born again, you move from glory to glory. That is the path. Relax in God. Settle in God. Engage God. Believe God. Walk with God. Because God will not take you from glory to shame. He will keep moving you from glory to glory. I prophesy over your life. Your life will be unique. Your life will be glorious. Your life will be set apart. And the hand of the Lord will be witness over your life. Give the Lord a clap offering somebody. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. Justification cannot be isolated and made to represent the fullness of salvation. No. I think I have to end with this scripture and leave the rest for the next teaching because there are four aspects of justification I need to break down. I've mentioned them in passing, but I need to break it down. Justification is broken into four. But if I start, we'll close at one. So I want to quote a scripture, speak something about it, and I end the teaching. Give the Lord a good clap of it. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Be careful how you deal with wounded Christians. Be careful how you deal with a dirty Christian. Be careful. Because remember that that Christian is still justified. He just got himself into something and needs to be washed again. You know, the word of the Lord is like water. So go there before we come here. If you know what I'm talking about, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, going to 26. The word of God is like water. It keeps washing us. It keeps cleansing us. So a coin, has your coin fallen on ground and you cleaned it before? Did the value of the coin change? Talk to me. Did the value of the coin change? Has, your, has oil touched your CD notes before? Did the value of the coin uh, no, it didn't change? So when you see a dirty Christian, be careful not to judge the person. Instead of judging the person, administer wine. Administer the word of God. Administer water so that that brother or that sister can be washed again. I thought you are clapping. All of us are dirty somewhere, somehow. It's only that you have worn a nice dress, but your heart is smelling. It's dirty. If we should see your heart, if God opens your heart to us, it will not look like your dress. You are wearing tie and thing, but your heart is dirty. That is why you must not leave the word of the Lord and leave your word life to internet preachers. They come and say all kinds of things. So when you have listened to them, you think you have studied the Bible. You have not. You don't have a word life. You have to study the word. And when I'm preaching and I'm not preaching the word of the Lord, you should walk to me after service. I say, Pastor, I read this, but you said this different. One day a lady walked to me and he asked me a question. I was very happy. He said, why do we say people should speak in tongues? Because she believes that the Holy Ghost must make you speak in tongues. So we shouldn't say, lift up your voice and speak in tongues. I said, wow, sit down and let's talk. So we talked, took her through scripture, and she saw why we can tell you to speak in tongues. It's a spiritual gift. You use it to edify yourself when you need it. So anytime you need it, you use it. A gift. If I give you umbrella, you use it when you need it. 
tongue speaking is a gift. So by the time I finished, the lady thanked me that for years she didn't understand. But now she understands. Yeah. So you have to study the Bible. But the problem now there, you don't study. You don't study. You are listening to all kinds of things. And they are poisoning you. They are listening to all kinds of things. You have all the news about this hip life and all that. You, are, you have. But you have all the news. BBC. But the Bible. We don't study. We don't. So as I'm teaching like this, it's not powerful for you. You know me, I can switch. I can go to Daniel chapter 6. The way I'll preach. Yeah, I'm preparing a message there. Double glory. Yeah, but double glory means double suffering. Anytime you receive a prophecy that the glory of the Lord is coming unto you, it actually means prepare to suffer. Yeah, you must prepare to suffer. The reason we fail in suffering is that we don't prepare. But when you prepare to suffer, you know that preparation means your eyes is on the glory. So while the suffering is going on, you are going through, Francis, you are enjoying the message. <laughs> yeah, you are understanding certain things. So when you are receiving prophecy, I see the glory of God coming upon you. As you. That's why you have to say amen. Because when you say amen, the grace to go through the suffering comes upon you so that you can get to the glory. So the Bible said that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So a coin can fall in a toilet or a manhole, or a gutter, you pick it up, you wash it, it's still one Ghana city. It didn't change. So when you see a wounded Christian, don't point at him. Don't judge the person. Administer wine. Administer oil. Administer butter. Administer oil. Administer prayer. Administer exhortation. Administer prophecy. Look at the brother. Look at the sister. And say, though you are down today, the word of the Lord says, uh, the righteous man shall fall seven times, but he shall rise again. My brother, my sister, I stand with you and I prophesy that God will take you out of this. You will come out of this strong. You will pull out of this strong. What took you there will not keep you there. I pray for you, my brother. That is how Christians behave. That is how a brother must behave. Not a brother will say, you. I mean, a tiauka. You know, a kasasa, I'm tiada. Me dentiana menyasa, no. You are a Pharisee. You don't look like Christ. You, no, 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 no. You can't say Jesus is your savior if you talk like that. Then your, 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 your savior is a Jewish man somewhere. But a Christian brother will look at the wounded. He said, and the good Samaritan. He, saw, he took the, the man on the horse. Took him to the inn. He said, take care of him. Add wine. Add oil. Any bill, I'll come and pay. Uh, do we have this kind of Christians in church now? No. Why was the brother has fallen into the pit and trying to come do it? Yeah. Go back. Be there. Be there. John chapter 8, 1 to 11. We close there. Give the Lord a good clap of it. <laughs> Jesus went on to the Mount of Olives. Give me NIV. 
for this particular package. Pay attention to it. The message preaches itself. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. Verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Verses. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Verse 8. Verse 7. No, verse... Okay. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up. He got up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Don't be too excited. Those of you who are excited sinning, even as Christians and church members, follow the teaching. At this, those who had begun to go away, one after the other or at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman until still standing there. That means the matured Pharisees, they left first. Because the message hit them. They left because they were more criminal. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11. Look at it critically. No one said, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now. And live your life of sin. Not, I, not L-I-V-E. But what? L-E-A-V-E. Justification is not God justifying your sinful life. But justification is God looking at you in the righteousness of his son Jesus. When you stand before God as a Christian, God does not look at you in your own righteousness, but he looks at you through what Jesus came to do for you. But he says to the woman, I spoke to the people and they all left you. They could not judge you. They left But I want to tell you, go and sin no more. Go and live that life of sin. And that was it. Justification introduces a man into a life of sanctification. Yeah. So Jesus was literally telling the woman, now that I've saved you from condemnation, which is justification, I now want to commission you into a life of sanctification. Close your eyes, somebody, and talk to God. Talk to God. Thank him for saving you. 
thank him for giving you a life you wouldn't have ever been able to procure. Thank him. Thank him. And pray that Lord help me. Pray that Lord help me to, to walk in this in the life of sanctification. Help me to submit my will to your will. Lift your voice and pray. Help me, help me. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. That Lord, help me to live a life that glorifies your name. A life that honors you. A life that brings you glory. A life that brings you great praise. I want to be a child of yours that brings honor to you. I want to be a child of God that brings glory to your name. I want to be the reason why people will praise you for who you are. I want to be a burning fire, a shining light in my generation. I may not be dead now. I may not be dead now. I may not look like it now. But God, my desire, my desire this morning and my prayer this morning is that, Lord, I want to live a life worthy of your praise as a child, as a son and a daughter of yours. In the name of Jesus, I lay aside every weight of sin. I lay aside any mindset that draws me into worldliness. I lay aside the life of sin. I lay aside the life of disobedience. And Lord, I pray, take me through your school of sanctification. Take me through, take me through the school of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. A matured Christian is the Christian who can love like Christ. Who lives like Christ. Who sacrifices like Christ. A matured Christian is that Christian who knows that there is weakness in his flesh and must rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit. I pray for everyone here under the sound of my voice that the Spirit of the Lord will help you, will be your guide, will be your help. He will show you the path of righteousness. He will show you that it's not about material things, but it is about eternal satisfaction that is in him. I have a father. He calls me his own.
Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. The message you just listened to is from ICGC Karis Temple. To connect with us, you can like our page on Facebook at ICGC Karis Temple or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ICGC Karis. We would like to hear of how God is blessing you through this podcast. To support this podcast, please click on the profile button and click on support. Thank you and God richly bless you.